I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Welcome back to Canto Bite Dispatch. Today, I'm Brittany, and joining me today, as always, is my friend, Emily Lind. Hi, Emily. Hi, Brittany. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? How was your week? <laughs> my, week- <laughs> my week was pretty good. Um, I got a new Porg, and... It's so big and fluffy and cute, and I don't know what to name it yet. And mm. I know, like, I've been, I've been like kind of busy all week, so I haven't really been like thinking about um, porg names. So, if anyone has a good porg name, hit me up. But it's like it's so it's fifty inches tall. No, not inches, fifty centimeters. And it's really chunky. (laughs) (laughs) No, I still want one of those like giant porgs, like the ones they were giving out for Force Friday. Like I still, yeah, still really want to get one of those. Go steal it from from Struthers. Nah, Struthers is too nice. I would never want to steal anything from him. But I'll find one of those one day. But um, let's see what else I do this weekend. Um. Spent some time with a boyfriend. That was nice. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, I have one of those now. It's great. That was, that was, a, that was a nice little casual drop there. <laughs> yes, it, it was. <laughs> but yeah, that was. <laughs> I don't know how are, to we, are, we, are we saying who it is or are we not saying yeah, who it is? Yeah, we can say who it is. Okay. Yeah. His name is Carlos. He goes by okay. he goes by Boo. He he does podcasts actually. Yeah, the sit list. Yeah, he does. And it's a good podcast. You should all check it out. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> but yeah, it's it's great. He's a great guy. I'm really happy. Really happy. Oh, I'm very happy for you. Thank you. Yeah. But um, other than that, uh, great news. Um, I I kind of found out, like I've I've kind of known this for a while, but like it's kind of like slowly coming now. So I'm probably graduating early, and like I've been saying oh, wow. that, yeah, like I've been saying that for a while that you know I want to you know try to graduate early because of celebration in 2019. I don't want to interfere with classes, but um. 
I was like making up my schedule for a next semester and I found out that I have to take like some classes online during the summer because like my work schedule is weird and they don't the classes that I want in the fall they don't go well so um after the summer I only have four more classes and I'm done oh that's great oh I'm like nervous excited kind of like what the fuck am I doing with my life so I've been kind of you know there's been great things going on in my life and then there's like this kind of like the what the fuck am I doing but it's fun I should be excited for myself but it's hard when I'm just kind of like what what am I what am I doing (laughs) yeah the uncertainty of it but I mean if you can that's great I know I think I want to like I'm I'm done, I think. And it's only weird because it's like I've, you know, I've been in college now for since like 2013. So going on like five, six years. And, you know, it's the only thing I've ever really known. So it's really hard that it's just going to like I'm just not going to go back to school or just like I'm going to be done with it and be like, okay, like, what do I do now? You know, I feel like I always have to be doing something. So. (sighs) <sighs> but yeah that can be a little overwhelming yeah that that's kind of like where I've been like the past couple of days just kind of like a little overwhelmed a little bit but I'm trying I'm trying not to think about it like there's just too many like really good really good things going on in my life right now so I'm just focusing <laughs> focusing on that <laughs> but <laughs> anyways enough enough about me Emily how are you well I got some exciting stuff in the mail this week. <laughs> Why did we not start off with you? <laughs> um, okay, so Tuesday I'm sitting at my desk at work. It's like it's like, you know, like forty five minutes left and I'm just counting down the time so I can go home. And one of one of the interns walks in with an envelope for me, and it's from Steel Saunders. <laughs> and he like you know he has my work address because I order T-shirts and stuff from him, which you guys should do too. Go to SteelWars.com. Yes. He has lots of really fun shirts and stickers. But anyway, I'm like, what what the hell is Steel sending me? I didn't order anything. And I open it up, and it's the um, the Star Wars. Rogue One comic with the, uh, the, they did these variant covers, which are like the old style, like Kenner action figures. And this one is Krennic. And it just so happens to be signed by, uh, Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> um, n- not only signed, but personalized because it says window exclamation mark. <laughs> And then it says, big love to you. And I lost my shit. Oh, my God. I mean, God bless him for keeping this a surprise. And apparently my co-host knew about this as well. I did. I um I remember at the last uh, live show Steel he was talking to me and he's like you cannot tell anyone this. And we had like to pinky promise each other. And I kept this secret 
so much to the point where I was at Disneyland with um, Amanda and Jason and we were in line for like Pirates of the Caribbean or something. Amanda was like, hey, so what was Steel talking to you about the other day? And I was like, nope, I can't say. <laughs> I felt really bad. I'm like, damn it, Brittany. I like, I, but I promised to keep the secret. So like I, I kept it. And then Emily calls me on Tuesday and I'm like, hey, you got the package. She's like, you knew? And I'm like, of course. Because I, you know, I immediately like I mentioned Steel to to say thank you because it's just it's so amazing that he did that. And apparently because I mean, how he how he framed it to Mendo was, I know this girl. She's a huge fan of you. And and, you know, we, we call her Lindo. And Mendo apparently thought it was like the best thing ever. <laughs> as as Steele said, there was a lot of happy swearing. <laughs> and I just uh like it just it really I'm so I'm so touched that Steele even like thought to do that. It was incredibly sweet of him. And obviously like really happy that that Mendo took the time to do that. And I just ah, it's it's currently hanging framed on my wall. That happened like as immediately when I got home that day, and um, it's really fucking awesome. Oh my god! You know, cause it's weird, cause I'm not, I'm not somebody who really like collects autographs. Like I have some, I have some signed books, but those are books that like I went to hear the author talk and got signed or stuff like that mm. you know but this like freaking says lindo on it and it's my favorite actor and i just ugh. god damn it steel saunders i was like kind of drunk but very happy when he like first told me about this where like i was just sitting there speechless and i just like we were like sitting down and i just like grabbed him and hugged him and i'm like oh my god like i I was so excited for you to get this. Like, I knew that it was coming soon because I remember I was um, I was sleeping on Tuesday and I woke up to the, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, no, it came. But no, honestly, like, that makes me so happy that it's canon now that Mendo knows Lindo. That's, it's like, it's so weird to think about. Isn't that amazing? And now, now if I ever meet him, I have like an. No, it's whenever. You're gonna meet him. I don't know when or how, but we're gonna make this happen. It's gonna be the new goal, because he knows who you are now. Now you just have to define find him. But oh, Lindo too. Just that he signed it, Lindo. Like that just. And a big love to you. <laughs> I love him. I mean, technically, it's big heart to you, but oh my god, he's the coolest dude. Aww. Then he signed it, Mendo, and then his like signature too. Yeah, Mendo. Uh, <sighs> like seriously, like I just I get excited every time I even think about it. Me too. Like that's so exciting. I love it. It makes me really happy that he did this and that you got this and that Steel helped. Steel's the best. Hi, Steel, if you're listening. <laughs> I, I owe him like a million beers next I time too. I see him. 
Me too. And it actually, the timing worked out really well because the day I got it, I had already um, arranged to record an episode of the uh, the Patreon bonus show that Eric does for, for Steel, Struthers Wars. And so I had something pretty cool to talk about that night. That's amazing. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. I love Struthers Wars and Eric Struthers. I love Eric. Like, we just had such a great time recording that episode. It should be up, I don't know, sometime soon-ish if you are a Steel Wars Patreon. But Eric is just the most delightful guy to talk to. He really is. Anyways, um, we have a lot to talk about today. Um, just kind of going over the Forces of Destiny episodes, kind of. Um, we're going to go over the uh, Last Jedi documentary, the director of the Jedi. Uh, Emily finished Last Jedi novelization, so we're going to go over that. And then Emily watched The Clone Wars, but most importantly, she finally got to the Mortis arc, which is really exciting. So we'll go that, and then top three, and then we got a lovely voicemail from no other than King Tom. So it's going to be a fun day. Well, it already is, because I'm here with Emily. Aww. <laughs> oh, sorry, you can probably hear my chair squeaking. I'm so insecure about my chair squeaking like during the podcast. I don't know why. You, you've talked about this before and I've never been able to <laughs> never, hear it squeak. I can hear it. It's like so loud. I'm just glad that my mic is not catching it. My mic like only catches like if I like tap my hand on the desk or something else or sometimes I can hear like the washing machine in the back or my brother yelling because rusty always yells for some reason whenever i'm recording <laughs> hi rusty but hi rusty i don't know where he is right now i think i'm home alone right now but but anyways um we had um some episodes of forces of destiny they released on youtube on monday and um i didn't you know i knew that they were all gonna like be released kind of like the same time but like they were really like i like watch one and then the other and then the other i think in the order of they came out but yeah i just watched them in whatever order youtube played them in which is i believe the like playlist order it's good um so what'd you think of them you know it's fine like some of them are super cute and some of them are not great but <laughs> They're just little two-minute cartoons. You can't expect too much from them. Exactly. Like, I really like that we got to see Finn and Rose and the space neon jellyfish. Was it a jellyfish thing? Yeah. That was interesting. On the way to Canto Bite. And then um, I thought the Ray and Tito one was really cute. I just love animated Ray though. She's adorable. I love her little freckles. Me too. And um, Hasty Departure, I think that was one with like Sabine and Hera. That one's okay. Like those ones have never been like my favorites because Rebels, yeah. But I really like the one with Sabine and Ketsu in season one. That was a good one. Yeah, I'm just never like, I mean, they're not characters I care about. So those are never going to be my favorite. Mm-hmm. 
Um, one of them that I really liked too was the Path Ahead with um, Luke and Yoda. We got Mark Hamill. So honestly, that episode could have been anything at all, and the fact that we got to hear young Luke again would have made it like perfect. I know. I really liked hearing young Luke again. Like that made me really happy. And then um, you got bounty hunted with Leia, Chewie, and Moz, and that was really cute. I want more Moz in these. I love animated Moz. She's so cute. I love her, and I love that she had a big hug with Chewie. Oh my god! <laughs> and how like how excited Chewie was to see her. That makes me happy. But but Emily. Yeah. The most important episode. Oh, what could it be? A force is a destiny. Porg problems. <laughs> Man, I thought regular porgs were cute. But animated porgs are amazing. So I've decided that the porg that takes a lightsaber is Gerald. If that's okay. okay. So that's yeah, Gerald. That. Okay. I just love how, like, the end of the episode, she's, like, forcing Gerald to her. And then he's, she's just like, well, you could help me with my lesson. And then all of them surround her. <laughs> and they're, like, waving their wings up in the air. And then she's like, you all can help. <laughs> I'm quietly sobbing right now, but... <laughs> It's so cute. It's the cutest thing in Star Wars animation or possibly animation that I have ever seen. And well done. Well done, everyone who helped do this. I want, like, because they have, like, the Forces of Destiny, like, dolls. Like, I want a Forces of Destiny Porg. Oh, my goodness, yes. Like, I want 17 of them. <laughs> oh yeah my poor count is at 20 now okay <laughs> isn't that a nice number <laughs> so many porgs I know um Boo went to my house last week and um I I showed him the porg collection so he's the first person other than Rusty to see the porg collection and he hates porgs too which is like kind of partly why I showed him which is awful because I'm awful and um that was really funny just like seeing someone be like wow this is what you do in your spare time and I've never felt like I felt almost like embarrassed like showing him that I collect these stuffed animals but then I'm like wow I'm fucking weird nothing wrong with that no nothing but anyways these were good episodes they were cute I don't know if we're going to get more anytime soon. Probably not. Probably not until like, because they release them, but then like a couple months later, they release more. But I don't know how they're going to do the season thing with this. So, yeah, I just sort of will get more at some point, I think, but probably not for a while. But I do, I do kind of want to rewatch them when they um, do it as the half hour special. Oh yeah, on on Disney. Just because I want to see how they how they frame it and how they bridge them. Mm-hmm. So it's not just you know YouTube going on to the next video. 
exactly. I like to watch that too. That'd be fun. But but yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. We also um, both watched uh, the Last Jedi documentary, the director of the Jedi. So we're going to discuss that today. Yes. It was probably my favorite documentary that I've seen, like from the bonus features of you know the Star Wars movies, and that says a lot. It's yeah, it's so good, and it made me love Ryan Johnson so much more than I already did. He's just so dedicated and so loyal to Star Wars. And, you know, he puts everything in this. And it's so obvious that how just passionate about this movie he really was and how he still is. And he's just freaking adorable. (laughs) Like, there's a line um, when... I don't don't remember if it's it's Scanlan or one of the, the special effects people... And he's talking about how how Ryan only has two reactions. Either he <laughs> likes something and it's a high-pitched giggle, or he doesn't like something and it's a, uh... <laughs> and then we hear the giggle a couple times, and I'm like, oh, this is just the best thing ever. I love that giggle. It gets so cute. But um, I'm trying to think of like my favorite thing from this documentary, but... You know, it's probably just Mark. Like, we really got to see how Mark reacted to everything going on with Luke Skywalker, which it almost surprised me just, like, how he was so against everything that Luke did in this movie, but still did his best to, you know, portray the role that Ryan wrote, you know? Well, yeah, I think that was was great that... I mean, we we see a couple of like talking head interviews with Mark, and he's just like, "I didn't, I didn't agree with this, but I knew I was just gonna have to trust Ryan." Yeah, like and then that scene of him kneeling with R two during um like the burning of the Jedi Temple, or when Kylo killed everyone, and he's just like sitting there when the scene's over, just still like distraught. Yeah, it was it was really it was really cool to see. Mark's love and his dedication to that character. I know. But yeah, but there's another and he has he he talks about it which is he's just like, "Well, Luke doesn't belong to me." And so I'm going to do this movie. And I thought that was I thought that was really I thought that was great. I thought that was a really interesting way to look at it. It really is. He's just a he's a wonderful person. And the other the other part with Mark that I really liked is is near the end when when he's just like he's just sitting up against this wall and Ryan comes over to him and it's this long shot and it's when Ryan sits down to tell him the title of the movie. Oh yeah. Which like nobody else knows yet. And and he says the the title's gonna be The Last Jedi and Mark just goes Oh, that's me. <laughs> and I'm like, ah! <laughs> I think that's so funny, too, because, like, it was always, like, heavily speculated, like, what the last Jedi met, like, if it was just, like, plural or singular. And then Mark is just like, oh, that's me. And Ryan's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. He was great. 
I loved all of the carry that we got in this too. You know, like when they ask to describe Brian Johnson, she just replies, he's an asshole. <laughs> oh, or when she refers to Kylo as her idiot boy son. Yeah, and when she's just like, I loved seeing how close Ryan and Carrie obviously became. I mean, the the amount of respect that they had for each other. And at one point he says about her, even when she was being a pain in the ass, she was wonderful. (laughs) Ugh. I love them. I really love too, like they would show them um, like doing the scenes, but like in slow motion. So we got like that Phasma and Finn in slow motion. And we got kind of like Ray and Kylo fighting in slow motion, which is kind of the behind the scenes. Yeah, seeing, seeing how much of the fight scenes they actually did as opposed to using stunt fighters was pretty incredible. I know, like, I have so much, like, mad respect for, you know, everyone doing all those stunts and, like, Ray and, or Daisy and Adam, you know, having to train for months to do that. Like, I was listening or, no watching, because Daisy Ridley did this, like, live stream, like, a week back or two on Facebook, and she was just talking about, like, how much, you know, how difficult it was to do those scenes, you know, like, the one with her and Luke when they're fighting on Octu, and just, like, you know, they had the rain machine going. It was really cold and shit. It's a lot they had to do. But um, um, the other stuff I, I loved, um, all the all the stuff we saw from the creature department. Oh, my God. Because there's, there's a lot of stuff that was like practical, like puppets and stuff that I didn't realize was like i didn't i didn't realize that the sea cow was actually there (laughs) and you know they like flew it to this side of this cliff in ireland and that's insane like you see them with it like hanging off of this helicopter (laughs) and i'm like god damn it that like the the precious cargo Yeah, because I remember, I think it was like the beginning of the film, they were making the sea cows and they're just like, shit, like, how did we get this talk to? How did we get this to Skellig Michael or however you pronounce it or wherever they were filming? But yeah, they they got the helicopter and they, they, they flew her there. It's so cool. Um, and we also, yeah, at one point you see, and this was the most adorable thing, I need to get a gif of it, but it's... It's like it's a greyhound yes! in a crystal fox costume. And it's just running around looking like the happiest little dog I've ever seen. I know. I was just about to say like how cute that was. Like that was just I love greyhounds so much to begin with. And the fact that it put this like happy little greyhound in this like space fox outfit and then you get this here like it walking and the crystals going like it was so cute and we see like some of the porg puppeteering not enough (laughs) not enough well maybe that target exclusive will have more of that yeah you see since i already have it on digital like i don't know if i'm gonna get the the meet the porgs because you know it's probably gonna be online anyways but Oh, it definitely will be. 
but I don't know. But along with the the, the creature stuff, um, the the casting and the costuming for Canto Bite, we got a good look at that. And like the amount of detail they put in to something you're going to see for two seconds is remarkable. I just, I feel like Ryan too, he loves just like the little details. Cause you know, you see him getting really excited when you see all the people in the um, caretakers, like they're, they're dancing and he's like really interested in that. And then you see kind of the people modeling the, the looks on Candobite and he's just really interested in that. And it just, detail is so important to him and it's really cool seeing that from, from him. Yeah. Um, I also loved uh, the Yoda, the Yoda stuff with with Frank Oz. Of course, is so great, especially when when Mark's there. Yeah, Mark got really emotional too, seeing Frank Oz and just seeing the Yoda puppet. Yeah, and at one point, like, because because Frank is is rehearsing and he doesn't realize at first that Mark's there. <laughs> And then he like looks down and sees him, and it's just this like joyful reunion. And 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 Frank has this great line about how you know when they he first got the call to do Yoda, he just assumed it would just be doing the voice, and that it would be CGI. And he's like, but then I realized they were going to use the real Yoda. And and apparently they they got the original mold and like made a new mold off of that to make this Yoda, and that was really cool. I thought it was amazing that they started doing this in like 2015 because you kind of see like the timestamp sometimes of like you know like when this was when they were doing it, and that was like in like July of 2015, I believe. So that was like way like months before the Force Awakens. So. They knew like that early on that they were going to have a Yoda puppet in this movie, which, oh my God, that's really cool. But I forgot like how much it took to like create the Yoda puppet and like how much detailing. But that's the thing, though, is that, you know, a lot of people were very critical in this movie about like how Yoda looked. And I... I never really had any problems with it like because I know now like how difficult it is to create that molding of Yoda and how hard it is to perfect it from like the 80s to now, you know? I mean, I think Yoda looks great in that movie. He definitely does. And, you know, it it goes back to how he looked in The Phantom Menace, too. Like, do you ever... Well, I know you don't watch The Phantom Menace a lot, but now, like, they have, like, the CGI Yoda replacing the puppet Yoda. I mean, the problem is, I feel like, I like puppet Yoda in the originals, and then I think, like, there was a really shitty puppet Yoda, and if you're going to replace that with CGI, like, I don't have as much of a problem with it, but just get a better puppet. Yeah, like, for some reason, that puppet looked, like, older yeah it was not it was not great like 
as cool it was to see Yoda again, you know, for all those people who waited from like Return of the Jedi and waited all those years to see the Phantom Menace, like that must have been so exciting for them. Well, even us too for the for the last Jedi, like us like seeing Yoda Yoda again in the theaters. Like I honestly think that was the first time that I've ever seen like puppet Yoda like in the theater because I've seen the Phantom Menace before in 3D in the theaters, and I think that was after the CGI replaced Yoda, but that was just such a fun experience. You know, like the first time seeing Yoda and just everyone getting so excited in the theater. Like, I always just like go back to that. Oh, yes. I love that. Because I had sort of, you know, I, we had we sort of knew mm-hmm. that it was going to happen. But I had completely forgotten about it while I was watching the Me movie. Too. So it was like this sudden like, oh, my God, it's yeah. Yoda. You see the ears and you're like, ah! Oh, my God. Oh, there's also... There's quite a bit in this about uh, Rose, because as the documentary is is starting, you know, and they're working on on things like effects and creature design and costuming. Rose hasn't been cast yet, and and Ryan says, "My intent is to cast someone you would not expect to see." And we see a couple of Kylie's screen tests. Ugh. Kelly's amazing. Like, and then he goes and says, like, she's the kind of girl I would want to be best friends with in high school. Which she is. <laughs> I'd be best friends with her. I'd be best friends with Kelly now if I could. Yeah, she's wonderful. She really is. Oh, and at one point, and this this I thought was fascinating, um, because you know that I love DJ. Um, I forget who he's talking to, but somebody mentions Benicio as a villain. And Ryan (laughs) goes, no, 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 don't believe the internet, not a villain. And then he talks about, like, in in the sort of the costuming and stuff, he wants to subtly invoke Han Solo so that viewers will expect him to be the scoundrel with a heart of gold and then subvert that. And I just, I love Ryan's brain. <laughs> oh. Because it's true, it is like when we think about those tropes, and especially like with Star Wars, we do think, oh, it's this sort of scuzzy looking dude who is reluctantly helping them. So of course he's going to turn out like in the end to, you know, genuinely help them out of the goodness of his heart. And this is nope. Opposite of that. <laughs> I love how, like, one of the parts, like, Benicio's talking to Ryan. He's like, so what's BB-8 doing in this scene? And Ryan's like, oh, he's in this little bin. He's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> he's just entertained by the fact that BB-8's just, like, chilling in the bin, like, right by them when they're on um, Snoke ship. Yes. And I love seeing... Because, okay, I know that BB-8 is an actual, like, practical thing, and I know there's a dude driving him around, but every time I see it, I'm astounded by it. I know that scene of just him, like, going around in the ship, just going, like, back and forth. Like, I love that. Yeah, because there's this big, there's this big slope in this room, and they're, and they're sort of having trouble getting him to work right. But they're like, okay, we can do this, and it's just, you know, it's just a guy with remote controls, and I'm like, that is the, it's a real goddamn robot. It's real. Ugh. You know, 
we got a lot of, you know, we got a lot of Mark talking. We got a lot of, you know, we even got like some Carrie talking and some Daisy. I was, I'm always really surprised that we never really get a lot out of Adam because Adam just throughout this whole documentary, we just see him like so serious doing in scenes, except that little scene when he's smiling in his ship. But yeah, he's, he's a very serious man, that Adam Driver. Yeah. Which is good. And Daisy, too, like, you know, you could see after the scenes, like, cut, and she's, like, still kind of crying, like, the one where she was doing with Kylo, and he's kind of like the join me, like, or you're nothing, not to me. But she's just wonderful, too, like, especially, like, after her last scene, and they're like, you did really good in this film, Daisy, like, this is your best work, and she's kind of just, like, happy crying, like, this is really nice, thanks, guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I just, I liked seeing how hands-on mm-hmm. Ryan is. Like, he he really seems to be an actor's director. Like, certainly certainly more than than, than Lucas. And, you know, like, there's, there's several times when, like, a scene will be done, and you'll see him, you'll see him just go over and, like, say something, because it's not always mic'd. He'll be, like, saying something to one of the actors just sort of like with his hand on their shoulder like giving direction and he he knows what he wants out of it like he has a really set vision for what this movie is he does and he's so vocal too like i go back to watching like how george would direct everything and he would just do like the faster more intense kind of thing but like ryan was just like mm-hmm. so into it and so into these characters and after you know the scene would be over he'd go to them and he'd talk to them like like when mark when he was comforting mark like after he was you know bending down with r2 kind of just like trying to compose himself you know like he oh, i want all the sweaters too yes that i mean that lobster one is amazing Let me look that up right now lobster sweater like it's so I love how I just search like lobster sweater and it's actually giving me like it doesn't know that I'm talking about like the Ryan Johnson lobster sweater the last time I saw it was sold out unfortunately which is a shame because that's a cool ass sweatshirt or cardigan yeah that's a cardigan I don't know, but other than that, I really enjoy this documentary. Like, I watched it for the second time this morning. No, I also love, too, when, like, they're celebrating, like, their birthdays and Ryan just starts jumping in, like, the big jumpy thing. Oh, yeah, in the bouncy house. In the bouncy house. He's so cute. He is. Ugh. But I'm glad that we both enjoyed this documentary. Yeah, I really, I don't always love the the behind the scenes stuff, but I thought this was really, really well done and offered some really cool emotional insight into the movie. Yeah, like, I don't think I've watched all of the bonus features or documentaries from The Force Awakens because I forget how, because there, there was a lot of content for that movie, huh? Yeah, I barely watched any of it. Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, we both read a novel. 
We did both read a novel. Yes. The Glass Jedi novel version. <laughs> Not yes. just like a random novel. Yeah, we both just read random novels. Well, that's rare for me because I never read. But yeah, the next half hour, we're going to be talking about The Great Gatsby. Yeah. Yeah, I never finished reading that book. Yeah, I don't love it, to be honest. Yeah, I remember, like, in high school, we had to, like, read it and then do, like, a project on it. And then I didn't even get, like, halfway through the book. And I'm like, I know this isn't for me. And I just, like, you know, looked up what happened and then did the project. And the teacher was like, oh, Brittany, you did really good. You must have really enjoyed the book. And I'm like, ha! Yeah. Haven't seen the movie either, which... Which is fine. I mean, I can live without seeing Leonardo DiCaprio doing Leonardo DiCaprio things in that movie. But anyways, I have my iPad out because I have the Kindle version. And um, I don't know how we're going to do this. But yeah, um, we just sort of talk about parts we really liked. I mean, we talked about we already talked about the prologue last week. Yeah. So just sort of overall, what did you think? Overall, I was very impressed with this novel. Like, it was really hard to put it down. Like, I, I believe I finished this in a day. Which is huge for me because I'm not the biggest reader, obviously. Like, the only other novel that holds a close place in my heart is the Last Jedi novelization, which I picked that right up after I finished this. I really wanted to read this again. and now I mean, I the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Not what did I say? You said the Last Jedi. Which Last Jedi? Oh yeah. yeah, my brain's not working today. I apologize. I apologize, but you know, I was just—I was really interested just how we got to know like some more of these characters. Like, I was really surprised, like how Rose was just a little jealous of Ray because there's that one part where she's like Ray 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 like Marsha 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 and like I get that you know yeah like she was genuinely jealous of Ray and because she was so infatuated with Finn which we got to see like way more in this in this book than you know on screen because that was one of the biggest complaints was that kiss was random and now you know even though like I I was okay with it but now like I see that you know i don't know if it was like on his side too because i almost feel like in this novel we saw that finn really like that's all his main focus is is on ray and i can't tell if it's romantic or just platonic but i'm going towards more like he just really cares for this person and that's it yeah you know i think i think finn doesn't even really know because we see he talks it part about this book when he's talking about her, which is like Ray is sort of in a way like the first person he actually knows. Mm-hmm. Because y- you don't have friends really as a stormtrooper. You don't, and. Another scene, I really loved how they would, like, go more into the scenes, like, when Ray is forcing the rocks and her and Finn hug for the first time. And I believe that's explained that she kind of is just, like, sobbing, like, as she's hugging him, if I recall. Yes. Because I highlighted a bunch of stuff, like, in this. And 
The other thing that I highlighted was like the very end when and when Chewie and Leia kind of just kind of just embrace each other and she's just sobbing, you know, kind of just she's finally grasping that, you know, everything she's lost, like she lost her her brother, her son and her husband, like Leia god Leia's been through so much in this movie and in the book it's just explained more like we start off with the funeral of Han like how he carved that little <laughs> thing that she thought it was an Ewok but she kept it forever yeah because we start we get this sort of memorial service at the beginning and I, I thought that was like I see why you wouldn't put that at the beginning of your movie just for like sort of you know pacing reasons and stuff but in the book I really liked it yeah um and I just sort of liked how how many of these characters we spent time with like even on the even on the first order side we get like Kennedy and stuff and his sort of annoyance with Hux which is obvious in the movie, but they, they go into a little more in the book, which is, you know, he is he's one of these officers who was an Imperial officer. And now there's this young, off-the-rails dude that they have to deal with. And just sort of his eye rolling over it, I really enjoyed. Just Hux, man. Like, everyone just kind of hates Hux. And Hux is just, like, in his own little world, I almost feel like. Because he's so confident in their first order. Like, that this is new. Like, this is the best. This is the best shit ever. And I don't know. I also love how, like, Ray just assumed that Chewie would eat all the porgs. <laughs> yeah. There's a part, because there's a part where she she is on the on the falcon and they have like he's just sort of surrounded by them and she's just like i mean it's a little weird that he'd have you know them all around him and then eat them but oh well <laughs> and she's like oh well it's a big galaxy like whatever <laughs> oh oh and going back going back to hux for a minute there's this really cool part that that is talking about how when Hux was a kid, his dad would tell him about that um, the Jedi would would take kids from their parents when they were really young and, and train them up as Jedi and how that is actually the seeds of the stormtroopers somewhat and but especially the the first order troopers that that's the methods that that hux is like hux thinks of it as like perfecting these methods yeah he was really interested in that like from because it was really hard for me to kind of like understand hux a little bit more because obviously like his story was more explained in like the aftermath or the um chuck wendig books so I almost feel like to me, like Hux is still that character that I don't know like as well as the others. Yeah. But I mean, he's just in a really intense guy. And I'm trying to think like what else really struck me in this in this book. Um 
I think that the relationship or just the not the relationship, but just Ben and and Ray, like their connection, I you know uh, I don't know if it's romance. I don't want to call it romance yet, even though like part of me wants to because I really want that in Star Wars, you know, that kind of, but this is just so toxic for me to want to associate this with, with romance because I'm reading back the mm-hmm. Re- Revenge of the Sith novel and I loved that as a kid, but going back and seeing like how toxic like Anakin is, like the first time he sees Padme, he's just like, oh, there's someone else. Like, why would you do this to me? Like, he was just like so insecure in his relationship, even though he claimed to love her so much. And that's almost the thing with like Kylo too, is that he kind of treats Rey as like property, but like it's important property. And I just feel like that's such like a Skywalker thing to do was to treat your women. They're just treat things like not people. And I don't know if he's doing that with Ray. Like, I don't think, I don't know if like he really does see her as a person. If that makes any sense. No, I think that makes perfect sense. And, you know, I highlighted a bunch of like their interactions in this fi- in this book and she really you know connected with him because she really thought that he was the only person there for her which i i don't know if that was just really him i don't i don't know if he really does care for her or if he just wants that attention that he never got as a child that finally this person's acknowledging his presence and not worshiping him but you know the fact that she wants to save him is really moving him but not in the ways of I want to be saved but I want this attention yeah and I think he just He's so. Yeah, I think the idea that he could win her away from Luke is very appealing to him. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find this like part where like where it's like it's the part where like she's back from the cave and she's kind of just like just sitting there and she finally feels his presence and she's just like okay like. Uh, where is this? I don't know, but it just, you know, another thing too was how after the whole, the caretaker scene, like how she thought that the Raiders were coming or whatever we're calling those or, and it was just the big party. Like she was done. Like, she was ready to go, and that's when she felt that connection with Kylo again, was when she was really about to go, because she was telling Chewie, okay, we're leaving, which I would have loved to see that in the deleted scene. And do you know what else would have loved to see in the deleted scene? Now, see, you say this. I think I, I think I disagree with you. I think this is better with No, it. well, not in the movie. I would have loved to see this in the deleted scene. Where, where they dance? Yes. See, I, I feel that... 
I don't know. I don't think it quite works. Because I, I think it's too, it's too back and forth to go from her being super pissed to their dancing to her being super pissed. I don't think that she was as pissed until after she was done dancing. Because I think that he was able to calm her down for a second. And then they danced. And then she was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What the fuck is going on here? Like, what are you doing? But. Like, I like the I, I like the idea of it. But I, I don't I don't think it actually makes any sense. Yeah. Like, it's too it's too quick of a change, change, change. I guess, but I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like they had some moments of, you know, they were kind of getting along. Like when uh, he tells the caretakers that she's his niece or that he's, yeah, she's his niece. I don't know, though. Like, I, I definitely saw that there was like a lot of tension between them. And obviously. Yeah. Oh, my God, though. What's so, the part that, that really broke my heart is when he decides to go with her yeah he decides like and i and i i'm not i don't think this should have been in the movie but i do i do think it's really i don't know for some reason i liked it in the book which is he decides he's gonna go he decides she was right and then he sees her with kylo I think that was one of the most heartbreaking things that I read in this book was that he, just how willing he was, like, after he had that forced connection with um, with Leia, and that he was just like, okay, Ray, I'm coming with you. And to think of, like, if she wouldn't have had that connection with Kylo, that, you know, he would have been there for her, you know? You just think of, like, the what ifs, like, that just broke me. Like, when he's like, Ray, Ray, you were right, I'm coming with you, you know, like... Ugh. And at first, like, yeah, because it, it starts like he's really worried that she's already left. Yeah. And and they do he um they do a really good job with with Luke's death at the end. And sort of describing him like giving up his his life and joining the force. Yeah, and, you know, back to, you know, when he was telling Ray in the beginning, like, he came here to die. Like, that's truly what he did, in that he kept his word on that, and he knew what he had to do, probably from the beginning. But, and he did it, you know? He saved the rebellion. And, okay, I finally found this quote I've been looking for. So, it's when they're, like, when Ray's kind of, like, back in, in her hut, like, after she's in the cave... Then she, and then it's, it says, like, at the side of him, she felt relief surge through her. Like, you know, like, he was there for her. Like, she felt like he was the only one. Like, she felt like finally, like, someone was understanding her. And I don't think from her side of it is romantic. Because I know that there are a bunch of people shipping them, which I admit, I kind of did too in the beginning, probably because... <laughs> I want romance in Star Wars and the thought of that, you know, reminded me of like Anakin and Padme. But honestly, from her side of it, I really don't see romance. And that's so big because I don't get how people expect for them to get together in the next movie when 
I don't even think Ray knows what romance even I don't think any of them do you know especially Finn because like that was the first friendship that probably he's ever had and same with her like she grew up alone and Ben too like Ben you know he had his issues growing up with his parents like I I just don't see how this could turn into romance no like she she wants to save him that's it yeah and I think that's very, it's a very different thing. It is. Like, she she sees the good in him and she wants to get that out. But then I go back to that scene when they're in the elevator and she's kind of like whispering at him, like, I can help you. I can save you. And I think that was when all the Raylos and kind of me were like, oh, okay. But... I don't know like even when she's being tortured by Snoke you can feel him kind of getting a little queasy like that's why I go back to the property thing that no one can hurt Ray but him well yeah I mean he fucking has tortured her before yeah I don't know it's I I really think that their relationship or that they are not like romantic relationship but they're just their bond was really touched up beautifully in this novel and it totally kind of killed my need for them to be together because I know that Ray is just so much better off just you know finishing her training or whatever she's going to do in the next film and that she knows that I don't know. Like, it's hard with the romance thing because it's like, I know that she doesn't want Kylo in that way, but then she doesn't want to save him anymore. Like, that's the big thing for her was that, you know, that final scene where she kind of feels like that last connection and she's like, done. Like, let me go back to it. But, you know, she feels that connection for the for the last time. And, you know, there was no, like, it says, you know, I'm reading right now, but, like, there was no compassion that she said. There was no hatred in her eyes as there once had been, but there was no compassion either. So she definitely felt compassion for Kylo. Yeah. She did when, you know, before the whole let's rule the galaxy together shit. <sighs> Which was such an Anakin thing. Like, I just see so many similarities between him and his grandfather to the point where it's like, you know, that's, I feel like that's what people want to see is that people want to see that Anakin and Padme relationship again. But that was so toxic to begin with. And even in the novel, too, like, that's just like terribly toxic to the point where I get like, like, I'm, I get uncomfortable sometimes like rereading that because as a kid, like I thought that that romance was like the shit and now going back, I'm like, oh my God, like this isn't okay. Like I almost feel bad for these characters because it's like they deserve so much more. Like I know the love between them was so strong, but shit, that's like not okay. And same with Kylo, like he's abusive and he's, he's, uh, you know, yeah, I just in the like and like psychologically abusive. I mean, anytime That's you the say fucking somebody, worst. Like, I'm I'm the you're 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 nothing except to me, like, which is just like playing on her worst fears, and it's disgusting. And that to me is like I can never 
think of anything romantic between them without just being like really grossed out by it. And pointing out her flaws too. Like he's done that from the very beginning, you know, going back to her parents and when they're having that conversation, he's like, I know who your parents are. And then in the elevator too, when he's kind of just like, oh, well, I saw who your parents are. Kind of just like not taunting her, but being like, oh, well, I have this thing if you want to find this out. Like he's just, it's it's a game to him almost. Like I, and again, like that's why, the property thing like I don't think that he cares for her as a human being like and I don't think he knows how to and you know and this is one of the things like you know people talk about oh you know he you know he had this traumatic stuff happen and you know he got his brain fucked with by Snoke and that all might be true Mm -hmm. but that doesn't change the person that he is and the stuff that he's done I mean, horrible people often have reasons they that, you know, have fucked them up and th- now they do horrible things themselves. And I'd, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, poor dude, all is forgiven when he's, you know, he's tortured Ray. He was horrifically emotionally abusive to her. And also, you know, he's part of the First Order and has killed literally billions of people. Yeah, you know, and and I get that people are trying to, like, humanize Kylo, but he really wants to be portrayed as this monster because she, you know, when she's telling him that he's a monster and he's like, I am, like, yes, I am, you know? Like, that's what he wants to be seen as. Ugh. But to me, like, in some ways, like, that, that conflict in him, like, almost, like, makes me hate him even more. Because he he consciously makes these decisions then. And what, I'm supposed to forgive him because he didn't? He he decided not to blast Leia out of the sky? No. Especially not at the end of the movie when he decides to kill them all again. Fuck Kylo Ren. I'm more interested in him as just as a villain. Like, I... You know, the question is always, like, is he going to be redeemed? Then we go back to, you know, what is considered being redeemed? But he's just, he's an asshole. He's, he's just this child, basically. Like, he, he's so conflicted. And he, half the time, doesn't know what he's, I I don't know. It's, it's hard. Like, I've never seen a character like this before so it's really hard for me to kind of describe like what is Kylo Ren because he's just fucked and up he's a fucking angry white boy and you know what I've and I've seen enough angry white boy villains that I I don't have any love for him like I think he's fine as a villain mm-hmm. but that's as far as it goes I mean like it's not that I feel for him that you know, everything that happened with Luke happened with Luke. But, I mean, you don't have to destroy billions or destroy planets and kill billions of people because your Jedi Master betrayed you and your family, you know, sent you away to your uncle because you have anger issues, you know? Yeah. It's just, like, I feel like there's so much compassion for this character when, you know, you go back to Rey... And you should really, not that you should feel like more, it's weird. It's like, not that I feel 
more bad for Ray. But, you know, Ray's been through a lot of shit, you know? Like, she doesn't know who her family is. You know, she, you know, joins the resistance really quickly. She builds this relationship with Han. Then he gets killed by this monster. And then she goes to, you know, this Jedi Master that she doesn't know because she has this power inside of her. And then he just is like, fuck off, like, I don't want to deal with you. And then finally, like, she meets someone who she feels understands her, and then she goes to him. She risks everything and goes to him, and then he fucks her over too, which must be so hard on her. You know, she she trusts all these people. They break her trust, and which is so heartbreaking in the end when she finally, like, embraces Finn, and she kind of just, like, slowly just loses it because in this whole movie that's the only time you really see her just like it's like she's home you know yeah I don't know I'm just I'm all out of forgiveness for violent entitled angry white boys like I'm just I'm just done with it yeah I'm I mean, if you want to like him as a villain, that's like I have yeah. zero problem with that. I love villains, but the the whole like oh like the will be fine like oh this poor baby like no. You know, I don't want to say that. I think a lot of it too is because you know Daisy and Adam are both like really attractive people, and I know it's like more than that, but I feel like that plays in that too. I think that's definitely a part of it. I think that's probably a big part of it. But, you know, that's what I see about the people that ship them is that, no, I'm not just doing this because, like, they're two attractive people, but it's because, like, they have this chemistry. It's not chem... It's one way, you know? Like, that's the thing is that, you know, I totally respect, like, if you you think that these people are great together, like, that's great. But I just don't think that this is healthy. I don't think this is, you know, both parties wanting this, like this is a property thing. And it's just, it's just that irks me like just the wrong way. And it, it triggers, it triggers me, but you know, well, yeah. And here's the thing is there are, there are people who, who like that pairing that acknowledge Mm -hmm. all of that. And then that I don't have a problem with. Like if you if you want to explore this relationship as this deeply fucked up thing, like more yeah. power to you. But the the like the painting in it as some like pure like epic romance just doesn't sit right with me at all. Yeah, and I know sometimes like I catch myself like you know if I see like images of like them together and just it's like. It's like sometimes you forget, and I think that's why probably a lot of Raylo shippers are out there because like they kind of forget, you know, like the games and like the the physical or the mental abuse and everything, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know what? Part of it, like part of my bafflement, just could be that I am like Adam Driver does nothing for me. Like I think he's good as Kylo Ren, but. In, in terms of attractiveness, I'm just like, I, I don't, like, mm-hmm. see it at all. And so that just adds to my, like, <laughs> that guy, really? Yeah. But, okay, let's, 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 we should probably move on from that. But one thing I, 
<laughs> one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Poe and Holdo mm-hmm. in this book. Because we get quite a bit more with them. And I really like... Um, sorry, I'm gonna I wanna find it. Do 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 do. Cause there's a part where Holdo is just like, like I don't know you shit, and I really love it. Oh, where is it? Okay, here we go. Because it's it's when you know they're. When Poe's confronting over, you know, abandoning the ships and stuff. Hmm. And, okay. Holdo fixed Poe with her gaze. You want a daring plan, she said. Dashing hero, daring do, single-handed day-saving. That's what you want. I just want to know the plan, Poe said helplessly. I think we all do. And at the appropriate time, you will, Holdo said. But just so we're clear, there'll be no idiotic heroics, daring plans, or showing bombing runs on my watch. Poe's frustration boiled over. You're going to destroy everything Leia has built. Captain Dameron, if you're here to serve a princess, I'll assign you to bedpan duty, Holdo replied. If you're here to serve the resistance, follow my orders. Somebody has to save this fleet from heroes. I love her so much. I love that... You know, I feel like it was explained, too, that she kept this from him because the less people know, the better. Yeah. And also, again, he just got demoted by Leia because he got a whole bunch of their pilots killed. I just don't get it's so understandable that she kept this from him. Like, I understand it, like, completely, which makes me, like, love Holdo even more that she's in this position of power she's telling him nope you're not knowing bye and that's that's okay like that should be reasonable and then the fact that so many people are just so mad about this about the whole holdo thing just like it's mind-boggling to me yeah here's the thing is okay let's reverse it let's say let's say poe's in charge and he has this plan and some some character we didn't really know, you know, somebody who was just introduced to the, in this movie kept pestering Poe and being like, why aren't you telling us all the plan? We should know the plan, too. Like, people would hate that guy. Yeah. But, you know, we we know Poe and he's our character and, and Holdo is a woman in charge and that's clearly not acceptable. Fuck that. You know, I just, and here's like, and I, okay, but I will say, I also, okay, Nerdist and all you other fuckers, like this whole, like, Poe is the real villain. Like, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> like, yeah, Poe fucks up a lot in this movie. And he also learns from it. And you know what? He didn't kill billions of people. And he didn't torture somebody he supposedly, you know, like, is in love with or whatever. But I understand that, you know, when doing the Dreadnought mission, a lot of people died. And that was like one of the big lessons from Leia was that, you know, a bunch of heroes died because of this, because of, you know, you wanting to just destroy the ship. But 
that doesn't make him a villain. Like he was trying to save the day. Like he was trying to be the hero, you know? And, you know, obviously that backfired a little bit, but that doesn't mean like he's like this villain. Like he thought that this was for the best, you know, he looked at it as these people were sacrificing themselves to, you know, for the bigger cause and for to, you know, save this dreadnought or to destroy the dreadnought because he thought that, you know, the chances of the resistance staying strong would be greater if the dreadnought didn't exist, which is, you know, that's when he was doing everything his power. Yeah, and and again, like, he fucks up a lot, but you can fuck up a lot and still be a hero. It's, you know, it's the same thing with the people in they're like, oh, well, Luke Skywalker's not a hero in this movie. Like, what (laughs) movie are you watching? Like, heroes aren't 100% making the right decision all the time. Heroes fuck up and make mistakes and then overcome that and learn from that and become the people we need them to be in a crisis like and it just it annoy- and you know like i i like that we see that from poe i think it's important and i think it makes him much more interesting than a guy who just does the right thing and is the one always making the right decisions yeah, it's still, I don't know, It's it still makes me sad that just how people just react to, you know, Holdo or just like events in this film or it, it or just how many people just, I don't know, because it's like, you know, you go on Facebook and you see a post by Star Wars and like the first comment is, Last Jedi is the worst movie ever. And it's like, why like why do so many people think that this movie is terrible well i would say a couple things one is i don't think it's so many people i think it's some really really loud people yeah it just you know and they're so awful about it like even to like you know when steel posts something you know about it and like they comment back at him something like disgusting or vulgar you know it's it's really sad to see like our friends being attacked for their love for this movie you know it's just it's so it's a it's a goddamn movie at the end of the day and that's the thing too that it's a movie and obviously it means so much to some people and the fact that you're bashing like their form of happiness it it just it's really sad to me because i know like how much these movies mean to me and to a bunch of people and to you and i just yeah yeah (sighs) like you know what like if you hate this movie fine like tweet about it all you want or post rants on your own facebook when you're like searching for people and and i know that's what they do because it's not necessarily people who who like follow you or anything they're, they're searching out people saying good things about this movie in order to shit on it. And, and that is a mindset I just, I don't understand. Like, I don't like the prequels. I don't, every time I see a tweet praising the prequels, I don't feel the need to be like, no, you're wrong. The movie's terrible. How could you, how could you possibly like that movie? You must be getting paid by Lucasfilm to say that you like that movie. Yeah, and 
you know, going back and watching the documentary and seeing how hard Ryan Johnson worked on this and how passionate he was about this. And people are still saying, like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen or just everything like that. Just it's really sad because, like, so many people worked so hard to do this. Like, when I bash on Rebels... It's just, it's me just talking about the show. Like, I'm not like, this shouldn't exist. Like, everyone who worked on this is awful. Like, this just isn't for me. Like, you can have that conversation just saying, you know, The Last Jedi is not my movie. But, you know, saying stuff about, like, Ryan Johnson's terrible, he should die, this movie is awful, Holdo or Rose is the worst character in Star Wars history. Like, I, I just, I can't. I can't. No, it's just exhausting. It is. I... Ugh, but... <sighs> um, is there anything else, like, from the novel that you want to discuss? Because that was kind of my main thing was the whole kind of Raylo thing and the connection between them. Um, just just sort of a little bit is I liked how much BB-8 we got. And, like, BB-8 is a character like we get bb8's thoughts and stuff and i thought that was really cool yeah i really liked that oh and i liked that that bb8 stowed away yeah with Ra- with uh rose and finn they didn't know he was there <laughs> um didn't poe think that ray was a dude too i don't remember that i remember like reading somewhere that like that the way that before that they met that Poe would address Ray to Finn that he would like use like uh, male pronouns or something but I'll have to go back and look at that but I don't know well excuse my god but overall I was over yeah overall I liked it I'm not always crazy about novelizations but I thought this one added some good stuff Mm mm-hmm It did. Like, the stuff that I was most curious about was, you know, Ray and Kylo, and I found out more about that, which was probably, like, the main reason why I was really excited for this novel. But I think that was probably, like, my highlight. Because I'm just, I'm very interested in this, like, in both of those characters and just how they interact with each other. But, and it just makes me feel, just, it feels, make me feel for Ray, you know? Just everything that she's mm-hmm. going through right now. And not so much Kylo. Like, I thought that, you know, this novel showed just how conflicted and just how unhuman he's becoming. Like, he's trying... I I still feel like he's still trying to become Vader. And Vader was just, like, so unhuman, like, more, more machine than man. And that's what Kylo wants to be. Yeah. But... <sighs> well... I'm glad that we both really enjoyed this. We got some good conversations because of this novel, so I'm happy for that. And okay. Um. Oh. Oh. Oh, Emily. Yes. You watched the Clone Wars. I did. <laughs> okay. So, how many episodes did you watch? I watched. I watched the three Morris episodes. Okay. So 15, 16, and 17. Okay. 
like normally I just watch two, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to break up that arc. So, before going into uh, the episodes, when was the first time, or what was your, like your first thoughts of Mortis? Um, you know, it's something I'd sort of been heard. I, I, I'd heard mentioned before. Um, and you know, obviously, we got a little bit of that with rebels but i didn't i didn't ever like look into it so i didn't really know what it was until i watched these like i knew it was like some you know like mystical shit but that that was basically all that i knew Mm -hmm. so um how did you enjoy these episodes you know i'm still not sure okay uh, it's like, uh, all right, it, this is sort of how I was thinking of it is if it was like, if this was three episodes of some random anime that I stumbled across, I think it's pretty decent. I, I don't know how I feel about it in the world of Star Wars. Um parts of it more than others like when they like when the the son and the daughter turn into like a griffin and a gargoyle and are like fighting in the air i'm like oh i don't i don't like this in my star wars at all but there's other parts of it that i i, I still thought were interesting in terms of this the the idea of the balance of the force Um, I will say one thing that really bugged me the in, in the entire episodes is that the daughter just looks like she's from a different show. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to like your tweets about it, I definitely, well, honestly, when I first watched this episode, like way back when I first started watching Clone Wars, I hated it. Like, I didn't get the significance of it. I thought it was stupid. I thought, why is this happening? This is too weird. Which is going to break a lot of hearts. I know. I'm sorry. I failed you. But, you know, going back and watching this as I, you know, became older, like, I I found, you know, the understanding of these episodes and why they're so important. Like, they all are faced with this, like, lesson or this kind of mission. And I feel like they all fail. And... Anakin is shown what his future is going to be. And even though, like, they all sort of forget what happened on Mortis, I feel like some of that still kind of stays with them, you know? Yeah, I thought I thought this stuff with Anakin was actually really good. And there's a there's a part when. um, When the when the son is talking to us to Ahsoka and he's talking about how, like, there are these these seeds of darkness that Anakin planted in her. And I thought that was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I should have watched this episode before, again, before recording with you because I don't have too many. Oh, um, what did you think of like all the, because Qui-Gon came to Obi-Wan, Shmi came to Anakin and um, older Ahsoka came to Ahsoka. What did you think about, you know, all those three different things? 
I um, I thought those I thought those were cool. Um, I mean, Shmi is obviously like like quite obviously not Shmi like from the very beginning. But but I don't know. Like Qui Gon like felt more like maybe he actually was Qui Gon. Um. I because I, as soon as like once we we had seen um, both Qui Gon and um, and Shmi, I'm like, oh, I wonder who could possibly come to Ahsoka that would be meaningful for us as an audience. So I thought I thought it being an older version of herself was cool. Yeah, I thought it was cool. You know, going back to Rebels too and seeing that side of you know seeing that vision of her and like how it's similar because obviously Dave didn't know like where Ahsoka would be now versus 2000 and whenever that was episode was released. But yeah, I think, I don't know. I just, I think I'm going to have to, to sit with this for a while before I really know like how I feel about this as part of Star Wars. You know, I, I mean, I was, yeah, I was thinking like, like I was sort of like, wait, there are people who want this like in the movies. Cause that seems crazy to me. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt. You know, I have done a couple of rewatches of the whole series of the Clone Wars, and each time that I kind of rewatch it, like I, I understand like more and more about like the importance of the Mortis arc. But you know, that's me. Like I, again, I started watching this when I was like a senior in high school or senior in high school. Then I would go back and watch it, and like a year or two ago, two years ago. So I think that plays a big. I don't know, but I'm not surprised by your reaction, though. Like, I knew that you wouldn't, like, love it. Like, I knew, like, I knew that you would kind of, like, have your issues with it. So, like, I I totally, I'm not like, oh, dang it, Emily didn't like this episode. Like, I totally, I, I get it. Yeah, I just, I mean, yeah, I just, again, like, I don't, I don't quite know like I'm definitely not crazy about it. I didn't I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. Like I thought going into it there there was a good chance that I was just going to be rolling my eyes throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing. <laughs> but again, I think it it's weird that she looks like she's out of like a Final Fantasy game or something. <laughs> like it just like I understand they wanted to to make her look sort of ethereal and, and 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 different but i think there was a way to do that to still use a, to use a character that would have looked like it belonged on the same show and she just yeah. doesn't what did you think of um so i know what you thought of the sister what did you think of the brother and then the father Eh, you know, like uh, I think, I think the you know the the sons like over the top, like villainy is a little ridiculous at some points. Like it's such a like I'm an evil villain, blah ha 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 thing. Um, I wasn't wasn't crazy about some of the voice acting with that. Um, I don't know. I just, it's such a, it's such a standard fantasy story trope 
that I don't, I don't know, like, it's just, like, almost, like, too cliche of a, of a fantasy story. And it's just sort of inserted here in Star Wars. And I like, I like some Mm -hmm. of the implications of it, but there's others that sort of, I just, I don't, I don't care for. Yeah, I get it. I feel, I feel the same way. Like, I just remember, like, being very bored when I first watched this. Like, I really liked, you know, how, you know, Shmi came to Anakin and, you know, one and Qui-Gon and all that. But I just, I didn't get, like, why we needed this in Star Wars, you know? Like, in the beginning, like, now I feel otherwise, but, like, I'm going back to, like, when I first, like, my first impressions of this, you know? Yeah. But it's sort of like, I get, yeah, I get why people really like this. It's just, it's just not really for me. Yeah. But that's okay, because apparently next episode, I get motherfucking Tarkin. <laughs> and I am so ready for that. Oh, that's going to be good. You'll like that. It's like, it's like the first time I've been genuinely excited to watch an episode. I'm happy for you, then. I can't wait. So, do you want to um, get to our top three now? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. All right. If you guys have any top three recommendations, you can email us at cantobitepod at gmail.com. We will uh, get to you on that. And our top three was sent in by our good friend, Rashad. Hi, Rashad. Hello. He does a great podcast with his friend, Justin, called Will Communication. Definitely recommend you checking it out. And he left us an email with the top three, so I'll read it right here. He says, hi, ladies. Hope all is well. I've got a fun top three for both of you. Favorite jokes and or one-liners. Star Wars is a fun space opera and such, but it can be pretty damn funny, too. (laughs) Here's mine in no particular order. One. Rogue One. One spelt with a W. (laughs) When captured, saw soldiers place a bag over Shirt's head, which he replies, are you kidding me? I'm blind. Number two, The Last Jedi. As C-3PO babbles on like his usual worried self, General Leia re- <laughs> retorts, wipe this, wipe that nervous look off your face. And number three, Empire Strikes Back. Han and Leia arguing in the halls of Hoth. Han says, afraid I wasn't going to leave without giving you a goodbye kiss. And Leia says, I just as soon as kiss, or I just as soon kiss a Wookiee. And Han replies with, I can arrange that. You could use a good kiss. <laughs> <laughs> honorable mention in rogue one one spelt with a w i love the scene with k2 approached by stormtroopers plays along with the line of questioning i'm taking these prisoners to be imprisoned in prison smack quiet and there's a fresh one waiting for you if you math off again love you guys keep up the great podcasting may the force be with you rashad <laughs> i love the you could use a good kiss yeah. Oh, I love Sassy Han. Oh, well, well, Emily, what are your top three? Okay. Well, one thing I would say, I, I liked this. Um, I, I did like this idea because it made me sort of go through a lot of films. And I did, I did ask on Twitter what people think the funniest 
Star Wars film is, and I've I've enjoyed because I've had a wide variety of responses, which I think is really cool. But um, let's see, my number three is uh, the the Force Awakens when when Kylo has Poe, and Poe, God bless him, like the the amount of bravado that he has in this, and he's doing that. So who talks first? You talk first. I took like that whole thing, and then he goes on with, "It's just very hard to understand you with all that apparatus." Like the, I love when people just rag on Kylo's mask. <laughs> um, let's see, number two. Well, okay, number two could be, you know, one of my ones from my favorite Star Wars lines last week, which is the, "Oh, here's Lyra back from the dead. It's a miracle." But, but Krennic has another great line here, and it's super dark, but I love it so much. And and it's when they're talking about how, you know, like, this this project could be bring peace to the galaxy. And Galen says, you're confusing peace with terror. And, and Krennic's line is, well, you have to start somewhere. <laughs> and it is, like, they're, t- <laughs> I mean, the, the idea, I just, I love it. I I love the way he says it like i mean they're talking about you know building a planet destroying weapon and it's just like it's so casual about it it's just the perfect delivery and it made me laugh really hard when it happened in the theater um but i think the funniest is from a new hope and it's when Luke and Han have broken down the detention center to rescue Leia, and the when he when Han's on the intercom pretending to be a stormtrooper, and uh, that you know everything is okay, everything's out of control, situation normal, and that it's everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. <laughs> and then he just goes, "How are you?" And the look. That, that, that Harrison gives right after that line of just like, what the fuck did I just say? <laughs> and then just like this shrug and then he shoots. I just, that whole scene is perfect. And I love Harrison Ford so much. And it, it's, you know, it's one of the great Han Solo moments. You know, you could we could literally like do a whole episode just on like Han Solo moments in Star Wars because there's just like so many of them. Like, he's just so, just that, his humor, and Harrison's humor, too, you know, Harrison, you know, portraying Han, like, it's just, it's so, ugh, I love it. So, what were yours? So, I don't know, like, what order I would do these, because I kind of, like, when I try to think about these, I do the first three that pop into my head. And I don't like, you know, having to analyze, like, all, I don't know. Like, I just feel like with the first three that I come come up with in my head, like, those are instinctually my top three. But um, that makes sense. I think my number three is in Rogue One when, when, not Ray, when um, Jin's being rescued and then she tries to escape and then K2SO, like, pounds her to the ground and he's like, congratulations, you're being rescued. (laughs) I I could have chosen my list entirely. Oh of my god! Lines. 
Uh, he's just it, the dry humor. Just uh, it was great. It was just I wasn't expecting that from him. And my number two is, um, yeah, I, I changed this one last minute. Is the general hugs. Just that whole thing. I would quote the giant, or hi, I'm holding for general hugs. <laughs> it's just, it's so funny. Like every time I rewatch The Last Jedi, I just go back to that and just like die laughing because it's, it's so funny. Like the fact that it took me a while to hear them say like hugs. It's, it's so good. And I just, I love how casual oscar isaac is throughout that whole scene and he's like hello he's like can you hear me (laughs) like i love how serious hugs is so serious i can hear you can you hear me (laughs) jesus christ but i think my number one i don't know why i find this so funny but when on uh, an empire sprecks back when they're on the falcon and when Han's talking to Chewie and he's like, take the professor in the back and plug him into plug him into the hyperdrive. Just the fact that Han Solo calls 3PO the professor. I don't know why that makes me just so entertained. Uh, yeah, Han's annoyance at 3PO <laughs> never gets old. Take the professor in the back. <laughs> oh my god. And that's like my favorite thing from just Empire Strikes Back is just how much shit 3PO gets from like everyone in that movie. Like from like when he's talking, Aleia just turns him off and Han's just like, thanks. <laughs> you know, like, God. Yeah. And then it's fucking 3PO. And then he gets like destroyed in this movie and then they have to rebuild him. And then God, 3PO just goes through so much in Star Wars and it's just so humorous. But, uh, well... Thank you so much, Rashad, for the top three recommendation. You the best. Yeah, and if anybody has any top threes for us, email us, cantobitepod at gmail.com. And, you know, we do one a week, so we will, we, we've, I mean, we try to use all of them. Like, uh, you know, one or two have gotten lost or they've been ones that we've done before, but we appreciate when everybody sends those in. Yeah appreciate it yeah we have some i think for the next couple weeks but yeah please but yeah we can always use more we'll just we'll just bank them and use them eventually yes so don't feel bad if like you don't hear your top three like if you just sent it in like we'll get to you we promise but i love like the different ones that we get they're really good yeah and do do what rashad did and tell us what your answers would be yeah I want to know your answers, too, because sometimes, like, when we get them, I think, like, oh, like, what would this person think, you know? But anyways, um, we'll end off the episode with a, a, a voicemail from King Tom. And here, I'll play it. I haven't listened to this yet. Usually, I listen to the voicemails before the podcast, so should be good. Whenever this decides to play. Okay. Now. No. Oh, here we go. Hey, Brito and Lindo. It's King Tom. 
So the director and the Jedi watch that, uh, and it's it's pretty amazing. It's 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 a great look at what Ryan Johnson was going through, and part of me just wants to go back in time and hold him and tell him everything is going to be okay. That it's going to be a great movie that makes a lot of movie that makes a lot of money and people are going to love. Because during this, and I'm sure all directors go through this while making movies, but during it, it just he's struck by such self doubt, and and I'm, there are other like considerations, like the whole thing when they're talking about how much Cano bite is going to cost. I thought it was kind of funny in a way, considering how much of like the the spa and massage scene and all that stuff was cut, but how they also talked about how much money it was going to. You know, cost to put this together, but then again, this is a studio that just reshot half a movie the year before. But anyway, it's a great documentary, and I, I hope you guys liked it too. Uh, kind of brings to mind an idea for a top three if you don't have one already. But um, because we've gotten, you know, since Star Wars began, we've gotten little documentaries and making of, and it seems like ev- almost every. Bl- DVD that's come out has had a little documentary feature on it, and it's all been pretty cool. We've gotten a lot of insights into how these movies are made. So what would your top three documentaries or behind-the-scenes things be? Mine would be, um, I don't know if... I might have a tie for third between the director and the Jedi, which I love and is excellent. Maybe it's still too new for me, but um, from Star Wars to Jedi, which was a VHS that came out in the mid eighties. This is back in the day when the only other Star Wars I had on tape was a copy of empire from HBO. And I'd alternate between that and from Star Wars to Jedi, which is a fun little documentary that told you how things were done, but it only lasted an hour. My second one would probably be the Empire of Dreams, I think it was called, from mm-hmm. the DVD set that came out in 2005. It was a very comprehensive, behind-the-scenes look. I think it was like two hours. And a lot of the stories that you hear told over and over and over again by Mark and Carrie and, and Harrison, they're from this documentary. But it's just, you know, if you ever want to get lost in the making of Star Wars, that's a great place to do it. And my number one would probably be the beginning from the Phantom Menace DVD. Mm-hmm. Because it's, first of all, I think that from the director and the Jedi was just really during the filming of The Last Jedi. And I would have liked to see some post-production and pre-production stuff too. But the beginning shows you pretty much from the day George sat down to write The Phantom Menace to the day it was released and... Just the looks on the people's eyes at, like, while they're casting Anakin and the special effects stuff, and when Jordan wants to take, like, one shot from, or half of one shot and half of another and put them together with Ben Burt. And it's just amazing. And it's like watching a train wreck in slow mo. Anyway, I've yammered on enough. I will, but what what are your favorite Star Wars documentaries? That's, that's my question. Thanks for the great podcast, and I will talk to you later. <laughs> yeah well thank you tom um i gotta say i i genuinely can't do this top three because i haven't watched enough of them oh wow i don't know it's just it's it's sort of i i feel i'm not always like crazy to see behind the scenes stuff it's fair 
Um, I I really like the director in the Jedi, but I don't know, especially because we're we're getting Star Wars again now. I kind of just want to watch the movies and not have well. <laughs> I'm going to go back to, to something that, that Mendo said in the interview with Steele, which is not wanting that curtain drawn back too far. I was just listening to that again yesterday. It's so good. <laughs> it is. like That's like my, you know how you like, I have like, like a comfort food? Uh-huh. Like, that's my comfort podcast because I was at work yesterday I wasn't really feeling good. Like I had, I've had a really bad headache for the past like two days. It's better now, but still, it's ugh. But I was just like, I want to listen to something that's going to make me happy, and it's the first thing I thought of was Mendopod. <laughs> it's so good. It is, and that of course like, is episode one sixty three of the Steelers <laughs> podcast. And no, I didn't have to look that up. <laughs> I love it. I. Oh, I just love when, like the very beginning, when he's like, "Oh, hey, Steel, happy to be here." Just like, just Mendo, <laughs> just just Mendo. Oh, but, um, but back to Tom's question: Do do you have like favorite behind the scenes? Um, like favorite documentaries, doc documentaries. Um, the beginning one is really good. I I think that's really comical for a lot of Star Wars fans. For some cuz you know obviously people don't like the Phantom Menace. It's really funny because it's like you know there's some scenes where Steven Spielberg and George Lucas are walking around looking at battle droids and George just being like these are the new stormtroopers. <laughs> and then just like you know other things like when they were casting Jake Lloyd, they had met with um the kid from or Joel, I forget his name. I forget what movie he was in too, but like one of the kids and they're like, oh my God, he looks just like um, Sebastian Shaw. And then they go with <laughs> Jake Lloyd. It just, it's, it's the little things. It just, it's very interesting or like just George's mannerisms and just how George is in this documentary is really interesting. And then the Empire of Your Dreams one, I love that one. I rewatch that every now and then because, you know, it's just, you know, where George got the influence of Star Wars from and how the casting went and just how, you know, the new A New Hope was kind of a disaster in the beginning because one, they didn't have enough money. They redid like a bunch of the film because, you know, it really sucked at first. And even like the actors are kind of just like, what the fuck is this? And then like it got really big and they're like, okay, cool. But um, what other document? Oh, there's one from Revenge of the Sith where it's like the whole battle of Mustafar. And it's about like two hours, hour and 30 minutes long. And it's really good. It just goes, you know, how much work went into that battle. You know, the stunts. Um, Just George really wanting to perfect this, which I think that's still one of my favorite battles in Star Wars was um, the battle of Mustafar between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um. The documentaries in the Phantom Menace, not the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones were kind of like, eh. Like, there was, like, a couple of ones. Like, there was one about, like, the romance. And even Natalie Portman was just like, yeah, George has never done romance before. It's kind of easy to tell. <laughs> but yeah. there have been some really good ones. I can't, like, pinpoint my favorite. But, like, the beginning and um, Empire Dreams are some of my favorites. Yeah. I will say, I will say one thing I do like 
uh, is anytime when you're showing like the creature workshop or the costume workshops like that, that I'm fine. I find so fascinating. Especially in the prequels with all Padme's costuming. Oh, those are my favorite. Uh, just her costuming is some of my favorite. Or it, it's like, I can't speak. It's just my favorite in Star Wars. It's just the costuming of Padme. Like all of her outfits are like the best. Like I think we did like a top three costumes and like all of mine were Padme's. <laughs> but it's so good. What's like, I forgot what was like your favorite. Was it Mendo? I mean, it probably was. I don't quite remember. It must have been. I mean, that's not a bad thing. I think I, I probably, yeah, maybe like half Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Cloud City Leia. Cloud City Leia is great. Oh, and Lando must have been on my list. <laughs> yeah, the cape. Oh, my God, that goddamn dragon cape. We all need a good dragon cape in our lives. <sighs> but, yeah, thank you, King Tom, for the voicemail. Appreciate ya. But, but yeah. Emily. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> was there anything else this week? I don't think so. I mean, okay. if it was important, I feel like we would have... Um, and like, hey, there's important news. But I don't know. I feel like we covered a lot of great stuff. You know, the the novel, the documentary, Mortis Arc on Clone Wars. We did a lot of fun stuff today. We always do. Always do. Yeah, I don't know how to end a podcast. I've like kind of realized that. Like, I don't know <laughs> yeah, how I to. Think other, I think other people realize that too. <laughs> I don't know how to say like, all right, bye. But. All right. If you enjoy the podcast, you can rate and review us on iTunes. That helps us out. Um, if you want to send us an email, your thoughts about anything Star Wars or, you know, and specifically anything that we talked about in the episode this week, send those to the Canto to CantoBitePod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and occasionally on Instagram at CantoBitePod. I am on Twitter at EFLind, that's at E-F-L-I-N-D, and Brittany, you are at Canto Brit. Yes. Yes, I am. And yeah, so thank you for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.